Hey friends, we're gonna wait and see if anyone jumps on to join me. If you can hear the dishwasher super loud, I apologize. I'm having a hard time finding places to do my lives because yet last week I got banished to the bedroom and had to make it all dark, creepy, moody bedroom vibes because nobody wanted me in the front room. And then this week they're like, go in the front room. Because so I guess they're watching TV in the bedroom or something. So now I'm out here with a stupid dishwasher because our Airbnb is quite small. And so, oh well, this is real life. This is reality. This is what's gonna happen. Hello, Cornelius. Side note, Cornelius and I are wearing matching shirts right now, so probably pretty embarrassing if you were in the same room and you could well now you know it doesn't matter if you're in the same room if he's in the same room or not now you know that you're wearing matching shirts my father-in-law also has this matching shirt and so part of me kind of hopes that he also has his on because that'd be really so precious Yes, Core. That was real funny that you tried to tell me that it's a sexy shirt, but then you realize your dad could be wearing the same shirt and all of a sudden it's no longer sexy. See if anyone else joins us. And then we'll get started. I'm very excited about the topic for tonight, self-talk. Very, very good topic. And even if you can't watch these live, I hope you'll watch them when you do have time. And shoot me questions or thoughts that I can incorporate into the next ones. And these lives are building up for something. These lives are getting me ready to launch my podcast, which will be dropping in January. So all of these topics, all these things that I'm doing right now with you on lives are going to be... A podcast and I love podcasts in North Carolina and I'm sure it's like this in lots of places I do a lot of having to drive here and there and lots of time in the car I'm in the car a lot just drive when I was moving out here I we spent many many hours in the car and I don't know what that is and one of my saving graces to get me across this country for this move and all those hours in the car was listening to podcasts. Um, listening to music, it just kind of starts to be this lowly noise and you get so tired. Um, even though I love music, I do love music. But I, there were times when I was like, I have to have a podcast. So I'd listen to, I'd look at how many hours I had until my next stop and be like, that equals three episodes of Getting Curious with Jonathan, Jonathan Van Ness. And so then I listened to my three episodes and I'd be there. And it got me through. And the, I love listening to podcasts because you're not just spending time sitting in the car, for me. You're learning something or thinking about something as you're getting entertained. It's, I love podcasts. And so I'm dropping my own and all this wonderful stuff that we discuss 
upon these lives is going to be transposed, whatever, into the podcast. And I'm very, very, very excited about that. And the podcast title is Jordy Happiness Hero. And oh, Hadley, Happiness Hero, not because I think of myself as a hero necessarily, but we'll talk about this self-talk thing because yes, I am. But a hero, by definition, is somebody who is a conqueror who fights through something and comes out on the other side and, you know, fights for the, the good, the better good or the bigger good. And I have had to fight and fight and fight in my life for my happiness. And I want to share some of that journey and I want to look at other people's journeys and talk about what people do to find happiness in their lives, what people do to build the happy. I want to be a fighter for happiness, a champion for happiness, not just in my life, but to help other people be a champ, be champions for happiness in their own lives as well. All right, so I don't know if anyone else is jumping on, so I'm gonna jump right into the topic so that when people are watching later, they don't have to listen to me blab for too long about off-topic things. All right, self-talk. I've actually been thinking about this a lot today in the last couple days because I just keep having these things happen or things pop up on social media that I'm like, look, this is self-talk. This is an example. This is why it's so pertinent to understand what's going on with our self-talk and to be in control of it. That was the mom eyes I just gave my daughter for making big loud noises when I'm trying to live. In the front room, if I were in the other room, I wouldn't have this problem. Gosh, our house needs to be finished being built. Oh, oh, look, I just used a bunch of words that were not the best choices and we'll get to that. Okay, so the first experience that comes to my mind from the last few days with self-talk is a friend of mine shared this today on his Facebook and I'm not gonna give names because I haven't talked to him and I don't know, anyway. He shared an experience, he's battling cancer and he's a warrior and he's so strong. And he shared that with his specific type of cancer, that early on in the battle, his wife had discovered or had been given some paperwork and studies and stuff like that and it said the, the expected, the life expectancy for this diagnosis, this specific diagnosis was 2.2 months, 2.2 months. And she made the choice then and there, I'm not even gonna show him. I'm not gonna show him this paperwork. I'm not gonna show him this study. And it ended up being so beneficial because then it's been almost two years, I think, since this, this moment and he's still fighting and it's a horrible fight and it's awful. Uh, my heart hurts for what he's having to go through. I hate cancer so much. But he's made it two years or whatever, not even knowing that his life expectancy was 2.2 months. And he said, I'm glad I never knew. Like, I'm glad that she chose not to tell me because then the monologue in his head would have changed. Instead of thinking, I gotta fight, I gotta fight, I gotta fight, and just, you know, looking forward with the fighting spirit that he's had this whole time maybe it would have diminished you know maybe that inner voice would have crept in said 2.2 months 2.2 months 
And he was so grateful not to have that there, that inner voice there to drag him down because without having that there, his inner voice could be, you know, who knows how long I have, like, but I, I'm gonna keep fighting because it's, I don't have an expiration date, I'm gonna keep fighting. Anyways, so that was very motivational to me thinking about that voice inside of our heads and how powerful it can be. Um, also, something I've noticed in my own life over the last few days is I have been trying to help my oldest daughter get some acting experience and build her resume and find an agent and and just you know springboard her acting career and help her get where she wants to be and in this whole process we found some casting agencies that are local that are constantly helping cast background characters and extras and things like that to be on movies and TV shows and commercials and things that they're casting locally because they do a lot of, a lot, more than I even knew, of filming in our area. And so one of these casting agencies, in order to like get through the portal, I had to create my own thing to just check it out for Hadley pretty much. And so I created the portal myself to get in and see how, how to do it and how to work it and how, how it was going to be. And I was like, oh, this is fun. Like, I'm going to put myself available for a few of these, just extras, you know, for a few of these casting calls. And then I helped Hadley go through and make one for herself. Well, it just so happens that this week I got a casting call to go be on a show. And I don't know what I can say and what I can't say, so I'm not going to say much. But, and it's just, as an extra, and I don't want to say as just an extra because that's very demeaning and that's negative self-talk. And even they sent this thing that says, do not call yourself an extra, call yourself by the title that we sent you. And so, you know, the title for this shoot I have tomorrow would be Hotel Guest. So I'm Hotel Guest tomorrow. But it's pretty exciting. But I found myself in all these interactions I've had, you know, not that I've had very many, but when I was talking to anyone about what I'm doing tomorrow, and I'd never mention the show or I never mentioned stuff I'm not supposed to, but when I had these interactions, I found myself totally undercutting myself in that interlog, that self-talk. I'd And I kind of made a big joke about it, like, ooh, I have to joke about myself. Ooh, I have to make fun of myself. I don't know where this comes from. There's probably some good therapy sessions that I could delve into this. But I found myself being like, ah, you know, I guess that, I fit the demographic they're looking for, older and chubby, or you know, just grading things like that, like haha, make a joke of me, instead of being like, heck no, they saw my pictures, they saw my profile, and they said, that's who we want, that's what we need. Um, she looks likable, she looks relatable, she looks friendly, she looks you know, competent. Instead of thinking all those kind of things about myself, or dang, she's sexy. Like, look at that girl. Mm, she rocks that red hair. Instead of thinking of any of that kind of stuff, she's perfect for what we need. I thought, oh, she'll do, like she's, everyone else is young and beautiful, so we need the, we need her. That's the stuff that I was telling myself and joking about. Instead of saying, I, I'm spot on. And today it may, maybe pushed it a little bit better with that positive self-talk I got another casting call from the same show even though I've been telling myself like oh why would they you know like, uh, 
making a big joke out of me. Well, they must, there must be something that they see that they want because they haven't even had me for my first day of filming yet and they've already asked me to come back next week for some more filming. And so, pretty excited about that. I told Hadley I'm gonna put it out into the universe that I can't say the name of the celebrities on the show because I don't know what I'm supposed to talk about. But maybe this person will see me on set and be like, oh, she looks so nice. I want to be her best friend. Her aura is just so delightful. And then we'll get to convert, you know, conversing and like instant uh, connection. And then I can use my new best friend's knowledge to help springboard Hadley's career. And it's going to be perfect. This is what I'm putting out into the universe. I don't know if we'll have Yes, I do. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to be fantastic. I want to make connections that are going to make so many good things happen. That's what I'm putting out into the universe for filming the next on tomorrow and on Tuesday. Tuesday? Tuesday. So, and I'm excited because you know what? I was a little nerd child who grew up her whole life in a fantasy. It was my biggest coping mechanism to get through a lot of the trauma that I was going through was living in fantasy land. And a big part of my fantasy land that I lived in my whole childhood and my whole adolescence was famous Jordy, and I'm gonna be famous and I'm gonna be an actress and I'm gonna do these things. I did so many talk show interviews in my shower. I couldn't even count them. <laughs> I lived in that fantasy land and that's what I was, you know, that's what got me through. And so the fact that I get to go now and be on a TV show, even though it's like, I'm not going to say even though. I'm not going to diminish. I'm not going to diminish. I'm not going to give myself negative self-talk. I'm going to build myself up and say, hey, look what's happening. Look what's happening for little Jordy. Look what's happening for that inner child inside of me. This wonderful thing is happening. That fantasy that was my survival mechanism is finally like, not just a fantasy, it's finally coming to fruition because I made choices to make it happen and it's gonna be great. It's gonna be wonderful. And good things are going to come. I'm planting seeds that are gonna grow amazing fruits for, not just for me, but for especially for my daughter who has big dreams and I wanna help her realize those big dreams. All right, self-talk, it's important. Let's keep going on the self-talk because I, I'm easily led on tangents. Hey, Soph. Oh, you just missed some good stuff. You'll have to like, watch some recaps or something. All right. Sophie is more of an expert on this, so I'm very glad she's here so that she can help redirect if I am totally off base. All right. So self-talk. I wanted to find a definition. I am an educator. This is how I roll. I wanted to find a definition for self-talk to give you guys something that was more concrete on what self-talk is. And so, this definition I found that I liked is self-talk is the way you talk to yourself. Or, it's sometimes because your inner voice. You might not be aware that you're doing it, but you almost certainly are. This inner voice combines conscious thoughts with inbuilt beliefs and biases, biases, we all have them, to create an internal monologue 
throughout the day. And that definition was from healthdirect.gov. And I really liked it because it touched everything that I want to point out about self-talk. I loved when it says that it's, it creates an internal monologue. When I was in college, um, I was, I, I mean, I say creative writing minor, but I could have had another degree if I would have, I had, I had a baby at home and I needed to be done with school, so I graduated with what I graduated with, but I almost had enough credits to have a second degree in English, and my focus, my emphasis was creative writing. And in my senior project, I think I decided to do it on poetry. I don't remember, I also had prose and some short fiction in there too, but I did, it's mainly poetry that I ended up doing my senior project on. And I found it when we were moving to come to North Carolina. I hadn't thought about it in years, but I found the project that I had turned in and it, this book of poems was called Monologue. And I, so perfect, like I called it Monologue. It's this, what's happening, me talking to myself, it's what's happening in here. And it was just, and it, a lot of it dealt with trauma I'd been through and things I'd went through over all the years of my life up until that point. It was my processing of those kind of things. And so this monologue is something that I want to address. Inbuilt beliefs, bias, biases, which we get from all of our experiences growing up. Everything we go through in our life and they create an inner monologue that's constantly running. Um, so, I, what can we do with this inner monologue? Where does it come from? Some of it comes from the voices that are most present in our life as we're growing up. I know that there's members of my family, you know, my mother, my grandmothers, or my, and it, it's not always negative, it's not always positive things. I'm not trying to say everything's negative, but, you know, those relatives' voices, siblings' voices, friends' voices growing up, sometimes it's that, I don't have that bitchy girl from high school. That voice is still in there. When I tell my girls about this, I say, be careful with your words because they live in people's brains. And I'm 100% sincere about that. The words you choose live in people's minds. Even if you say sorry later, even if you try to take them away, those words will live in people's brains. I also told my sweet little sixth graders this my, and my eighth graders when I was teaching middle school. I would always, at the beginning of the year, have different um, object lessons to try to teach them about the power of their words because that's such a pivotal time. And the things that you do now don't seem important, but those words are going to live in people's brains. They're going to still hear this thing you say to them when they're 50 years old. And so if it's going to be painful, don't say it. Try to have a little bit of control. Like, Not that I'm perfect because I'm not perfect and I've said plenty of things I feel awful about. But it's good to be conscious of that. It's good because everybody has an inner monologue and those voices in the inner monologue are put there from things that people say to them their whole life. I have some nasty, nasty things in my inner monologue that I have to battle and I have to fix and that I have to work with all the time and that I still hear. Um, people who've been bullied, I have some very serious and painful bullying stories that I don't want to touch in right now, but I will touch on in future episodes. And those things that were said will come up again. 
they will rise to the surface again and that will live in someone's head so it's important your children it's so important with your children so important to be mindful of the words you are using because even if you're just joking about yourself even if you're just joking with them even if you're just not you're just saying something without thinking that's gonna live in there I have a lot of regret I do um, a couple of my daughters have said stuff to me lately about like mom you are so hard on yourself about your weight and that makes me immediately go oh my gosh I need to stop saying this stuff out loud um, and in my head but I need to stop putting that in their heads that negativity about my physical appearance or my weight or whatever it is because those things are gonna live in their heads and I know it's already happened I've seen it already affect my oldest daughter with like why do you talk about yourself this way mom because my body's not all that much different from your body and you say these horrible things about your body and what does that say about my body and then you know that's like oh you're right you're so right what a, you know why why am I doing this like why am I letting that inner monologue in my head barf all over you and poison you so that you're gonna have the same nasty inner monologue in your head it's a question how do you get rid of those things in your head or do you have to learn to not focus on them I'm gonna get into this I'm getting I know I, I have the tangent uh, oh my brain oh it's struggling I have the tendency to go off on tangents the ten tangent tendency alliteration I love alliteration but let's talk about some of these tools and things that I've learned over the course of many many years of counseling and therapy and and just living and surviving things that I've learned to help with all of these things okay I read a book I just finished a book last week and I loved it I read it in three sittings it was very enjoyable I've learned to love memoirs when I was younger I was not a big fan of nonfiction and I thought memoirs I, I've really I never really read them because I oh that's gonna be boring so wrong I've loved memoirs lately and I read a memoir last week by Felicia Day who on a person-to-person -person level like I can't relate to her very much because she we're just very different people she's very very geeky She's into video games. She's like an internet phenomenon. And, but she is so likable and her voice is so strong. And it was like sitting there having this really interesting conversation with a friend, like a good friend, someone so likable, um, even though I was just reading her memoir. And she's also like a genius. She got into college at 15 on a full ride scholarship and was like a musical prodigy and a mathematics prodigy. I am none of those things. And so there's a lot of stuff I couldn't, couldn't necessarily relate to her on on those levels, but I never felt that while reading the book. I felt 100% engaged. And there was so much, even though her journey was so different than mine, there were so many things I could relate to about her journey and the way she had learned to deal with her self-talk. And I was like, ooh, look at this. I can use this, this is so good. She compared self-talk uh, especially specifically negative self-talk to a bad roommate she said in her book it's like having a bad roommate and I'm like that is true and like they live with you they're inside your head they can't get rid of them and such a nagging 
presents all the time. And she, when she was gotten this hole, she's a super perfectionist and to a fault, to a fault where it got like a dangerous fault. And she spoke so, she got this hole where she was speaking so negatively to herself and this inner monologue was telling her, you're never gonna be successful again. Like your life is over, everything's terrible, blah, 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 blah. And it got to a point where she was evil, she was even like lost in suicidal ideation. Um, this is a point where I've been at myself. When that inner monologue is so nasty, you get to a point where you're like, what's the point? Like, I'm disgusting, I'm worthless, I'm going nowhere, what's even the point of continuing? She had gotten to the suicidal ideation point and had to, the only way she could get out of it was taking control of her inner monologue and getting, and by doing so, getting control of her life and getting control of her success again. And so I won't give you the whole book, I won't give you any spoilers, but if you want to read a really interesting memoir and a really entertaining, like if that sounds really sad, it's like a teeny little blip that she somehow handles in a way that's not totally depressing. So if you want to read a really entertaining, inspiring, like fun memoir, Felicia Day, you're never weird on the internet, almost. It's a very good memoir. Um, and like I said, I have, the reason I could relate to her on that point was because I've been there too. When I let the inner monologue that was formed from all my years of trauma and all my years of experience and all my years of everything, that inner voice just got so dark and so bad. And I also suffer from anxiety, like crippling anxiety and some uh, major depressive disorder. So it's like, they call it medication resistant depression. and. I just got in this hole that was dark, dark hole, and my inner monologue was just mean, like the cruelest person you can imagine. And I was living with it, this bad roommate all the time. It was an ever-present uh, negativity, this inner monologue, and it got to the point where I was done. I was completely done. And I won't delve into that because I can't do it justice and also talk about self-talk in one episode. <laughs> episode. This is going to be a podcast, so it is an episode. But later I can delve into that more. But I, I ended up hospitalized. I, my, it was to the point when I was done, like I said. I, and I couldn't hear the voices of reason. I couldn't hear the, like, we love yous or the you're worth it. I couldn't hear the good stuff in my own head because all I had in there, in that inner monologue, I'd let it get to the point that it was just, they think they love you, but look at you, who could love you? Or they are well-intentioned, but they'd be way better off if they didn't have to deal with you. You're such a burden. You are a burden, which was a direct voice in my inner monologue that came from being bullied in high school. You are a burden. You are a backpack that we have to carry through high school. This is a letter that I will tell you about on a future episode. We'll have to do a whole bullying episode that told me at that point, as a sophomore in high school, beginning of the year, to go and kill myself. And resurfaced lines, and I, I didn't even read this letter twice. I told them, I told the counselor, whoever principal, to burn it, to get rid of it. I want nothing to do with it. I never want to think about it again, never want to see it again, but it was burned in my brain. And as a, geez, how old was I a couple years ago? 
was I 30? I guess I was 35 when I was in the hospital. All those years later, like 20 years later, that stupid, those stupid words, those words that people chose to use were still living in my brain. They were resurfacing and at the point, my lowest points, they were echoing in my inner voice saying, nobody wants you around. You are a burden, kill yourself, do the world a favor. And I believed it. I believed it 100% wholeheartedly. And it landed me in a behavioral health unit to try to save me. I went through a lot of treatment. And that was just one week of my life in the hospital, which I never want, like I'm, thank, I'm so thankful for that resource. I'm thankful for everything that got me there and for those who helped and I'm, the counselors there, the doctors I worked with, I'm so grateful for everything. The other patients that, you know, were fighting too. I'm grateful for all of it. I never want to go back ever because it was not a fun, glamorous thing. People that are like, oh, celebrities, you know, they're stressed. They have to go relax for a week. That's not how it is, guys. It's not a relaxing, fun, you know, vacation from work or whatever people think it is. That's not what it is. And so, well, I'm grateful for it. Never want to go back. Never want to have to do that again. I want to keep control of my inner monologue now so I never get in that position ever again. Um, okay. So this comes from an article, this next quote, just, I'm sorry, one moment. Honey, can you please close the door, please? Eleonora Kate, Ellie, close the door. I apologize. Reality, folks, reality. Okay. This quote comes from psychologytoday.com and I like it, so I want to share it with you. It says, when self-talk focuses on how we can thrive and not just survive, it can provide essential motivation to achieve goals. This is looking at the positive side of self-talk because I've just told you the horrible, awful side of it. Self-talk helps that helps us take a wider view of our lives and opportunities rather than narrowly focusing on threats and self-talk that acknowledges and directly addresses our doubts and fears have been shown to promote happiness, that's the point of this whole thing, happiness, well-being, and success. So, let's talk about how self-talk doesn't have to be something that destroys you, that gets you into that horrible place. Self-talk can be something that springboard you into amazing amazing wonderful things you never imagined and I know that's true it can get you out of that dark horrible space into happiness whatever happiness looks like for you self-talk is a powerful powerful tool that can be used for good it's not just a punishment that we have to live with it's something that we can use for our own benefit. It's something that we can use to help us be everything that we want to be and to help us have all the happiness that we want to have just by how we let that inner monologue run in our brain, just by taking control of the way we talk to ourselves. 
Good night, Kareen. Love you. Good night, Brennan. Kisses. Okay, so I took a workshop this week online from a very popular podcaster, Kathy Heller, and she was so inspirational in the way she teaches about self-talk and how to like better, oh, oh, her podcast, so good. Everything about it is so good and it's very inspiring. If you want to go listen to um, Don't Keep Your Day Job, that's her podcast. And she interviews amazing people that talk about their journey and self-talk. I mean, listening to her talk about self-talk is just so good. So good. But she interviewed Jenna Fisher. I hope I'm not messing that name up. Jenna Fisher, who played Pam on The Office in one of her episodes. And I loved what Jenna Fisher had to say about how positive self-talk and the way she talked to herself 100% contributed to her getting her role, to being successful, to being who she is. Um, Jenna Fisher said that she got to LA and there's all these other actors who are like, oh, I'm giving myself a year. I'm giving myself a year and if I don't make it, then I'm just gonna go and I'm gonna be successful at something else. And then, you know, like I'm, I'm allowing myself a year. And Jenna said right away, she knew none of them were going anywhere. She said that she said, I am an actor. I'm here. This is what I'm doing. I'm not here to do it and if it doesn't happen, I'm leaving. I'm here to do it because I am an actor and that's what I'm doing. Um, she had no timelines. She had no caveats. She had, I'm an actor. This is what I do. And this is what I'm doing and this is what's gonna happen. Uh, Felicia Day and her, it's kind of the same way. There was never the timeline. There was never the caveat. There was no, never the ifs, buts, what, you know. It was, this is what I am. This is what I'm doing. Positive self-talk and it ended up getting her in the right place in the right time with the right people to land the perfect role and it contributed a lot to her success um kathy heller called it your internal pharmacy <laughs> our self-talk and thoughts can make us sick it can disease it can be a disease it can be painful it can be life crushing it can be a cancer or it can be a medicine. Our self-talk can make us better. Our self-talk can promote our health, not just physically, mentally. It can promote everything. It can be the balm that we need for our soul. Your self-talk can be your best medicine if you learn to control it and if you learn to use it in the right ways. And I love that she called it the internal pharmacy because so good, so accurate, so on point. Okay, something else that Kathy Heller said today in her Q&A that I love, that I really want to share is we have zero control. Zero control over other people. We have no control over what they say or what they think. We have no control over that. Um, people will dislike us. No matter what we do, no matter how hard we try because we are born to be people pleasers. No matter how hard we try, someone's gonna dislike us. Maybe lots of people are gonna dislike us. It's gonna happen, it's inevitable. So instead of worrying and caring and you know, adjusting ourselves to try to make sure everybody else likes us or we're making everybody else happy, we just keep moving forward. What if we don't give people that control over our lives? 
What if we don't give our lives away to other people and said, take it back and say, this is my life. This is my day. This is my moment. And I don't care what you think, <laughs> you know, like, I mean, it's good to care about other people. It's good to be a caring, loving human being. But even if you are a good, caring, loving human being, some people are going to be nasty. Some people aren't going to like you. And you know what? You have no control over that ever. No control. And so, you know what? Let them be. Let them be. Nod at it. Say, okay. And move forward. Keep moving. Keep moving. Keep doing you. Keep being you. Keep claiming your moment. Keep claiming your day. Keep claiming your life and not letting other people have control of it. Have, you know, they're stealing your life away. And why? What good is that doing? Those things that happened my whole life, the bullying, the trauma, the, all that kind of stuff, those mean words inside my head, that's just letting them control my life now, letting them not just take that moment, take this moment too, and that's not, that, that can't fly. I'm gonna keep moving forward. I'm gonna move forward in a way and talk to myself in a way, have a monologue that tells me, you're awesome, you can do these things. I'm not, I'm going to do, or maybe I'll make a podcast. I'm doing a podcast, you know, things like that. Or not, I'm thinking about writing, a, I am writing a book. I'm in the planning stages and I am writing, not just a book, I'm writing a whole series and it's happening, you know, and I'm capable. All that stuff that says, oh, people might think it's stupid. They might, they will, people will. There will be plenty of people that make fun of it and say it's stupid. And you know what? I did it. It's mine. I own it. And yeah, people in the shadows will always try to dim the light of those who are shining, right? Because it makes them uncomfortable. But you know what? Be uncomfortable. <laughs> be uncomfortable because I'm not going to stop shining to make you more comfortable. That's not what I'm going to do anymore. I'm gonna make my inner monologue say, I don't have to dim myself to make other people more comfortable. I can live my best life. I can live my moment. I don't need you to steal my moment, you know? All right, so, whew, that was a moment. My daughter's over here like, preach, preach, slay. Thank you, honey. Okay, so five tips from psychcentral.com to help you improve your self-talk. This is the juice that you need because we want to know how to help improve the self-talk because I know you all, everyone, anyone who watches this, I know you struggle with the monologue getting nasty because we all do. Everybody has those experiences, you know? Nobody's exempt. Everybody has history. Everybody has somebody who said things to them that was shitty, right? But you don't have to live in that you don't have to and so here's some tips to help you get out of it here's some tips to help you take control of your monologue so that it's a powerful tool for you instead of just weighing you down okay number one listen critically to your inner critic so when your inner monologue starts to criticize you and starts to say oh Jordy they're only casting you because they need the chubby older girl critique that be like huh huh where is this coming from how can I change this you know whose voice is that 
Who is this voice? Is this some voice from the past that's coming to tear me down now? Don't give them control. Listen critically to your inner critic, okay? That's tip number one. Tip number two, and these again are from psychcentral.com. Tip number two, create psychological distance from yourself. When I first read this, I was like, what does that mean? So let me give you a little bit of a insight on what it, instead of asking yourself, why am I stressed? Ask, why am I so stressed? Instead of saying, why am I so stressed? Ask yourself, why are you feeling so stressed? There's some psychological difference there, or distance there. Um, it becomes an interesting challenge to figure out instead of a threat. Instead of a, oh, the stress has control over me. It's, why am I feeling these things? Why am I feeling so stressed? I am not my feelings. My feelings are just there, right? And I can separate myself from them. Um, I always, something I learned in therapy, something I learned in many classes, I took a, a group counseling session type classes, was like to envision a river inside my brain. And in this river, I can see words and thoughts and things floating by. I don't have to like pull them out of the river and like get drown myself trying to get them out of the river. I can see them going by. I can acknowledge that they're there. I can say, huh, that's an interesting thought. And then let it float on by. Let it float on by, separate myself from it. Psychological distance, let it float by. And be like, huh, I'm still okay. Okay, number three, fit your conversation, and this is talking about the conversation in your brain, your inner monologue, fit your conversation to your goal. So whatever this conversation is happening, where do you ultimately wanna go and how's it gonna get you there? Is saying, ah, I'm just gonna be in the background, they'll probably cut me from the episode anyway. Does that have anything to do with my goal? Is that gonna get me where I wanna go? No, so instead of telling me, letting my inner monologue tell me that crap, I can say, huh, this is an opportunity. This is a great opportunity to meet some people in the business, to meet some people in the industry, to make a good impression, to just let them see what an awesome, awesome human I am and what skills I have, and maybe to get a foot in the door to help Hadley get an agent, and like, this is a great opportunity. How can I change this conversation to help me ultimately get where I wanna go? That's a good, it's a good, good thought. Okay, number four. Treat yourself, I love this one guys, I love this one, I can't tell you enough how much I love this one because I know it's this one's real. I've done this one, I feel this one with every bit in me. Number four, treat yourself as a friend. Okay, I suck at many, 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 many things. I'm probably not even the best friend in the whole world, but when I love someone and I wanna be a friend, uh, or a good auntie, or a good mom, or whatever it is in those relationships, I treat those people with love. I try to do everything in my power to make sure that they know that I love them, that they are awesome, that they are good, you know? Like even my friends that I don't get to see all the time, friends that are distant, if I see they post something on social media, I try to go out of my way to like it, or maybe to even give them a comment. Um, what comes to mind is I have a friend 
who's traveling all over doing Chorus Line right now. And every time I still see him post and say things or I have little conversations online, I still call him a thing divine. Because when he was in Cinderella and I was his stage manager, uh, he was Prince Topher and part of the lyrics of the song call him a thing divine. And so I told him for the rest of my life, you're always going to be a thing divine to me. And I still, I still stand by that. That was just an example that came to my mind. But do I do that kind of stuff for me? Hmm. Do I treat myself as a friend? As I would treat my friend? Do I look for all of the good? And in my friends, I see all of the good. And there's bad, but do I notice all that bad? Do I point out all that bad? Do I like dredge it up? No, no. So why do I let my mind, my inner monologue do that to me? Why can't I be a friend to myself? Or a good auntie, or a mama, or whatever. Like whatever your good best role is. Something that you do really well when in the realm of showing love. If you show love so well as a mother, mother yourself. Or as a father, father yourself. Or as an auntie or an uncle, do that for yourself. As a teacher, oh, I love my students. I love them, my heart broke from them. I'm watching them have successes as they get older. Like I still, I, I love those little boogers. And so why can't I love myself and root for myself and want the best for myself just like I would any of those students. It's a good question. If we could treat ourselves as we would treat a friend or you know, someone that we care about, if we could alter that self monologue, that inner voice, to treat ourselves the way we would treat those we care about, how much happier would we be? And I know this works because when I consciously say, be nice to yourself or you are trying so hard. I'm so proud of you. You are so when I make a dinner and it was easy, but it was so good. And I tell myself in my head, you are kicking dinner's ass tonight. You did a good job. You did a good job. You did a good job. Yes, those kind of things are powerful when we treat ourselves as we treat someone we care about. I, you know, try to praise my daughters. Like when my daughter today told me she got a 96 on her math test, and I was like, ah, yeah. like I was so proud, so proud. So I should be so proud of myself when I get a casting call or when I finish, you know, one paragraph of my book or anything like that. I should, yeah, 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 yeah. That's what we need our inner, log, inner monologue to do. If we want to be happy, getting our inner monologue in that place, yes. Of course, making fun of me for saying auntie, because we live in the South now and I said auntie, aunt. Aunt Jord. Maybe I'm a Southern Belle now. I don't know. All right. Treat yourself as a friend. Treat yourself as a friend. I can't get over that one. Speak compassionately to yourself just as you would a friend. Rescript your negative messages. 
to include a positive spin. Rescripting those negatives into a positive, so important. Like, if you make dinner and it's no good, you can say, oh, that was a good effort. That was a good effort and that was a good experiment and now you've learned something that won't work in the future. Positive spin. All right, the last one, number five for this is say, I don't, instead of saying, I can't. When you say, our words are so powerful to our brains, and one of my counselors taught me this, certain words have certain like physio physiological effects, like chemicals being released in our brain. And certain words do things to our brain that are more harmful than other words. And in this case, saying I don't, or instead of I can't, you can feel in your body what saying I can't does. Saying, oh, I can't make it this weekend. is like, oh, I have no power over it. Life is just out of control and blah, blah, blah. And saying, oh, you know, I don't. I don't, you know, want to blah, blah. It makes a big difference. Saying I don't demonstrates that you are in charge of your thoughts and your behaviors. Whereas saying I can't communicates you have limitations or constraints. So which one is more empowering? Saying I don't as instead of I can't. And this segues into my next point is there's no fly words. When we're talking about this inner monologue, one of the best tools I learned was no fly words. Words you try to eliminate from your vocabulary because those words do not benefit you. They release the negative chemicals in the brain and the horrible feelings in the body. We don't want these words in our vocabulary. And I constantly catch myself and say, and when I catch myself saying one of these words, I say, mm -mm, and I re rephrase it, rescript it, because I want the good chemicals. I want the happy, I want the serotonin. I want the empowerment. Okay, here are 20 no-fly words to remove from your vocabulary. And these ones come from powerofpositivity.com. And a lot of these words aligned with the words that I use, that I learned not to use, so I, I like to list and I'm sharing it with you from powerpositivity.com. Okay, number one, bad. Take the word bad out of your vocabulary. Maybe difficult, maybe difficult. Bad is like something that you are, where difficult is just like a situation, right? Okay, number two, problem. Is it a problem or is it a challenge? Number three, hate. This is a word I don't like anyways. And I grew up like you weren't allowed to use this word anyways. So, and that's pretty rare because my housing is kind of a free for all. Like you could say most words, but this was not a, this was a word that was not approved of. So number three, the word hate. Eliminate it from your vocabulary. I guess I sometimes use this word when I'm trying to teach, like in a classroom, and I do plan on having a whole podcast and a whole lesson about the pyramid of hate at some point that teaches like how hate escalates. I guess in those, in the educational realm, maybe it's important, but in general, like saying, I hate, get it out of there. Get it out of there. I tell my kids, I don't want to hear that. Like you don't hate anyone. Hate is, you know, what the Nazis had when they killed 
six million people. Like, you're not, don't ever use that word with me. Hate, no. I don't like that word. Let's eliminate that word. I don't hate mushrooms. I just really don't enjoy mushrooms. <laughs> okay, and feel, feel what, say, even saying the nasty word, hate, feel what it does in your body. You can feel, but it's not a positive. So if you get that out of your inner monologue, it's not a positive thing. Okay, number four, ugly. Feel what that does in your body. Feel what it does in your body. It's not a good word. It's not a good word for you to say to yourself. It's not a good word for you to describe other people. You know, it's, it's not. Okay, number five, if. If, 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 if is yucky. Um, say when instead. If I get this, then this, and this. No, when I do this, then this will happen. No ifs, no ifs, buts, or coconuts. <laughs> no if, use when. Okay. This one is one that might, I don't know, I feel like it might strike a chord as, but we'll try. The next one they suggest eliminating is why me? Why me, why me? They say that this makes you put yourself in a victim mentality and that you get stuck there and you get stuck in this victim mentality cycle. Get rid of why me. Yes, this happened. We're not stuck in the why me. Because terrible things happen every single day all around the world to most people, terrible things happen at some point. And if you get stuck in the why me, it's just a terrible place for your inner monologue to be stuck. Um, should. Okay, I drive my my family probably nuts with my hate of the word should, but this is probably the one that stuck best for me in counseling that you've never used the word should. Um, quit shouldn't all over yourself. Are you shouldn't on yourself? Quit shouldn't all over yourself. I say that like every time I hear the word. Or to myself. If I say should, and then I say, put shouldn't all over myself. Like, don't use the should. Try using the word could instead. Oh, I could have done this, but I didn't. Or I could, you know, just could has a much better physiological effect than should. Should is all guilt and shame and yuck. Quit shouldn't all over yourself. Don't do it. Don't say it. Incompetent. That's the next word that they don't want you to They say this. You should eliminate. Incompetent. It focuses only on the negatives, okay? So instead of saying you're incompetent, especially in this, and I, I know I've thought about myself this way, but instead of using that horrible incompetent word, focus on things that you or someone else is good at. Instead of focusing on the negativity, focus on the things that you are capable of, the things that you are good at. Okay. Number nine is can't. Get rid of can't. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Oh, as a teacher, this is one that I think I probably told my students way too much, but not way too much, just enough. 
I don't want to hear can't. I don't want to hear. Unless maybe it's followed by the word yet. I don't want to hear the word can't. Your mind believes the words you say. Your mind is programmed, your brain, to believe the words you say. So when you allow yourself in your head or out loud to say you can't do something, you are limiting your abilities. Get rid of it. Instead, speak to your abilities, right? Speak, speak positively about the things you can do and you will do. Get can't out of there. Okay, here's a big one. Life isn't fair. Of course life isn't fair. I, I hate that that's not fair. Life isn't fair. I, I probably say that way too much. We're gonna work on that. We're gonna work on that. Focus on positivity, focus on positivity, focus on positivity. Okay, 11 is don't. Any other parents feel like you can say that word a lot? Get rid of don't. Rather than think or talk about what you don't want done or you don't want to do, focus on the things you want. So say, don't do that. Instead of saying, don't do that, say, do this. Like, it's way more constructive than, than saying, don't chew your nails. Say, hey, could you please do this instead? Or don't leave your dirty whatever all over the place and say, hey, I'd really appreciate it if you would do this with your belongings, your dirty nastiness. Oh, not nastiness, I was too negative. <laughs> okay. Number 12 is I'll try. Uh-uh. Do or do not, there is no try. I cannot remember who said that quote, but it was Yoda. That's who said it. It was Yoda. Okay, Yoda said, do or do not. There is no try. So make a definite choice to do something and do it. Or make a definite choice to not do something and don't do it. Don't be indecisive. Don't undercut yourself. There's no I'll try. Do or do not. There is no try. Number 13, impossible. Impossible. This is something I learned from Rogers and Hammerstein Cinderella. Nothing is impossible. <laughs> if the word impossible comes to your mind, replace it with the word difficult. Remind yourself that you can do hard things. You can do hard things. You can do hard things. Another teacher moment for me. You can do hard things. So many reminders. Yeah, that's difficult, but you can do hard things. Um, my Oh, I keep bumping. My middle daughter recently decided and set her sights on going to Duke someday. Duke is an amazing school that is so hard to get into. It's like 8% acceptance rate. But you know what? It's not impossible. It's hella difficult, but she can do hard things. She knows what it takes. She can 100% do it if she wants to do it. Impossible, non-existent, difficult, very difficult, extremely difficult, yes. Impossible, no. You can do hard things. Number 14, useless. Don't even wanna talk about it, don't even wanna hear it. Okay, 15, just. I, this is one that I'm very guilty of. 
ju I just, I'm just, uh, erase just. You're not just anything. I'm just a mom. No. I'm a mom, yo. I'm, I'm just a middle school teacher. I'm just, uh, no, no. That's like a superpower, yo. I just do this. No. Someday. Sorry about that. My medication reminder went off. <laughs> someday is not something you can put on a calendar, so eliminate someday from your vocabulary. If you can't put it on a calendar, no. word but is a way to rationalize your excuses and procrastination but is a way to rationalize listen to that closely your excuses and procrastination don't that's not good for you it's not good for anyone no buts no ifs ands buts of coconuts goodnight. my daughter's saying goodnight to me so i'm giving her the sneaky i love you's but i'm telling you so it's not sneaky i love you all right boring this is interesting i i honestly found it interesting that they put boring on the list but number 18 is boring complaining that you're bored only breeds negative thoughts it's your and if you're bored it's your own dang fault there's so many things you could do this is <laughs> this is something that we battle with my youngest because all the time she'll be like i'm bored now i can tell her complaining that you're bored only breeds negative thoughts. Go take a walk, yo. Go clean something. I'd really love that. Okay, number 19. I have to. This is not good for your brain for those chemicals that I told you about. I have to tells your brain that you have no choice or control. And that makes me feel panicky. Like, I feel it in my chest when I... Oh, I, I, I can't. I have to. Ooh, that's, that's like the double not supposed to's. Say, I get to, or I'm going to. Be purposeful about it. Life doesn't happen to you. You own your life. You control your life. When you feel trapped and you feel like life happens to you and everything is happening to you, you get in that horrible, horrible, dark, deep, dark hole. It's not a good place to be. So, no, take control of it. You don't have to do anything. You're not stuck anywhere. It might be difficult to change the situation, but it's never impossible. Okay, and number 20, if only, what good does that do? What good does if only do to, for anyone? It does no good for your brain, does no good for your feelings. Blech. You can't, you can't change the past. There's nothing you can do to change the past. So what good does saying if only do for you? What benefit does it have? nothing okay I gave you 20 20 words or phrases to eliminate from your inner monologue your vocabulary to work on because they do not benefit you in any way and they do not help you be happy I also gave you five ways to improve your self-talk so I hope that you again listening critically to your inner critic create psychological distance from yourself 
fit your conversation to your goal. Treat yourself as a friend, so important. And say I don't instead of I can't. And that just led back into the whole list of the 20 no-fly words. So those are all helpful. We talked a lot about what listening to the negative voices can do and where it can get you and why it's so important to change that inner monologue to something positive. And it's so powerful where it can get you. Just changing the way you talk to yourself. If you guys, some of you did see me a few years ago. And some of you knew before and then in the hole and after and like people can attest to the power of taking control of that inner monologue. In my life, it was life saving. That is not an exaggeration. So take control of your self-talk. Take control of the inner monologue. Treat yourself, talk to yourself like you would a friend. And don't let those voices that are in there, those negative voices, the ones that maybe came from your past, maybe you still hear your mom's voice or your a grandparent or a teacher or a, a pastor or a church leader or a mean uncle or a neighbor or the bullies from school. Those voices, don't let them have control of the inner monologue. Take control. Talk to yourself. Love yourself first, like you would a friend, okay? And I do this at the end of every, every talk, but put your hand on your chest so you can feel that weight there. Say, I'm safe. I am loved. I am enough. I love you. Have a great night. And I will see you next Thursday. Oh, and if you think this could benefit somebody, please share it with them. Thank you.